Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Shiny Takes, the world's only anti-free speech podcast. It's very cold outside. I am one of your co-hosts, Eric. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful friends, Jeremy Appel. Burr. And Marino Greco. Scooch. <laughs> Marino, I remember on Humber Radio one time I referred to you as Mario Genko. And I just, I never let go of that. I, I like Mario Genko. That's a good, that's a good uh, bastardization of my name. On my first day of knowing, fucking Jeremy imposed some sort of like juggalo narrative onto my life <laughs> based on like some assignment that we did, like to get some get to know each other slash interview assignment for journalism school. We're journalists. Well, it's because you're listeners. from Detroit. Yes. Yes. That's I was born odd. in Detroit. So apparently I'm, yeah. I'm a juggalo by default. I do enjoy comedy dogs. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, my mom's from Detroit, so I spent a lot of time there as a kid when my grandparents were alive. Yo, Leo's Coney Island, great Detroit institution. I also like Detroit. Anti-free speech, pro-Detroit. Is that a safe stance to take for the podcast? I uh, I think Detroit's a very underrated city in America. And yeah. uh, it like it gives like Windsor a reason to exist. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I support Windsor's right to exist. Yeah, yeah, it's got to. Because if it doesn't, like, what else are you going to do? Um, but we're not here to talk about Windsor. We're here to talk. We're here to talk about, about Detroit. We're here to talk about Detroit. This is Big Shiny Takes. Yeah, Detroit's this is Detroit. only, <laughs> only <laughs> podcast where we compliment Detroit. Yeah, okay, um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about everyone's favorite columnist in Toronto. Anybody um, have some suggestions on who that might be? Oh, it's Joe Warmington. <laughs> so, oh. I was going to say Vinay. The Night Scholar. <laughs> I got to go with Jeremy. Like Joe Warmington is by far my favorite shit columnist this town has. Like I'm speaking in terms of Toronto because I'm, I'm in Toronto now, but maybe top in the country, maybe top shitty columnist in the world. Um, <laughs> he is, um, he's a special kind of shitty columnist. You know, he's, he, he, he's unique. He has this, this every man charm. That even when he's writing the most heinous shit, it's like, (laughs) (laughs) oh, Joe. But he's definitely an entertaining read. His star shines so bright. It's a shitty star. And it probably shouldn't exist. But, like, when he does what he does, boy, does he do it. And I feel like this column is kind of like a decent example of it. It's not as egregious as some of the other ones that we've covered on the show i i mean i'm still going back to that one column that he had to retract because he invented drake lyrics all of you though should read john semley's interview with joe wormington uh (laughs) a few years back i'd say it was a fair amount of time ago where he asked him what happened to his hat and he, he he just goes into like joe wormington's like identity as this like character he's been portraying and it's so good and it's one of those things it's like uh you know when just drew show uh interviews ed the sock and it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. obvious they're doing this like to make fun of them and they have no idea <laughs> they just assume everyone takes them seriously because they surround themselves with idiots who do that's the thing about joe warmington that i don't understand is that he doesn't notice the people laughing around him where like i feel like john k especially with this dog shampoo thing <laughs> he's kind of like a shame pig in the fact that he he really enjoys getting attention even though it's it's 
deeply negative attention. And I mean, we've we've discussed this at length, sort of off pod, where we've all decided that we're pretty okay with him offering himself up as a punching bag for the entire internet. Even but, though it's obviously part of his shtick. Yeah, but it's, it's like, win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone benefits. It's good for the economy. Um, <laughs> but, like, Joe doesn't think that about himself. He doesn't think that people are making fun of him. He just exists in this, There's like, a sincerity. It's so weird. And, I mean, every time he plugs his local pub, which is, you know, in the neighborhood I grew up in, in a very shitty mall in, uh, in like, the deep, deep suburbs... I can't help but smile. So, I mean, yeah, piece of shit guy. I don't know what I would do without him. You know how a lot of Canadian properties, especially in the Canadian media ecosystem, like especially, are just like inferior versions of like an American thing? Joe is one of those few shining, like rare examples of something like, which is like a really unique, uh, uniquely Canadian, uniquely all our own, just disaster tire fire, a tire fire to call our own. Nobody else has one of these. So, um, like, I mean, like, I, I've for sure talked about this before, but his appearance on the Netflix documentary series about Luca Magnata, it was called Don't Fuck With Cats. Not a great series. I mean, I would watch it just for one person's pronunciation of Etobicoke and the interview with Joe Warmington, because Joe interviewed Luca Magnata prior to him gaining infamy for, you know, murdering his then-boyfriend. He talks about this interview that he does about this column titled uh, Homolka Rumor Ruins Model's Life. So, I mean, Luca Magnata was very obviously telling rumors about himself to drum up internet hype and then was going to reporters to get people to run stories. And, I mean, nobody else ran a story, but Joe Warmington ran a story. Well, I think, I, I, I think Warmington heard it on talk radio. <laughs> like he called Luca Magnata called into like News Talk 1010 or whatever 680 and he was he was saying that there's this rumor going around that he's dating Carla Hamalka and it's uh, really damaging his career as a gay porn star though I think he said modeling but he was a, well I wouldn't say he was a porn star but he was he was a gay porn actor and I mean yeah, and, and, and Joe um, was like, this is a good story. There's nothing suspicious about this at all. We should just, I should just talk to him and report what he says. I mean, Joe's got a big heart. All, you know? all I would say about that piece, that was a single source story where the, the <laughs> subject of the story is the only person you talk to. There was like no It was a profile, checking. Eric. It was <laughs> That's what we call him in, in the big leagues. Yeah, well, you know, I've been out of the big leagues for a very long time. And profile of an up and coming star. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he certainly blew up uh, afterwards. Yeah. But in any event, this story we're doing it's it's kind of similar in that it's a single source story with a terrible fucking person as his single source, right? Yeah, or a yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. group of people. Yeah, and that that group. It's like one of those goofy organizations that uh, gives itself a fancy name in order to then just continue spouting bullshit. So this, uh, <laughs> this organization is called the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Sounds legit, right? 
Well, who? There, nothing. I love nothing more than two things: justice <laughs> and constitutional freedoms. Those are my passions. So to put them together, I mean, I, I want to hear what you have to say. It only got good after the Snyder cut. <laughs> oh my sweet god! Oh my sweet superhero god. movies are for kids. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. The uh, the entire thing with Jesse Hawkins just like trolling uh, Zack Snyder and comic book fans the entire week uh, has been like a real joy for me to watch. But the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is like one of those organizations that is from your neck of the woods, is it not, Jeremy? Yeah, I think it's actually, I'm pretty sure head office is in Calgary. Like, it, <laughs> once we explain it to listeners, I think they'll understand why. It's a very uh, Calgary institution. <laughs> yeah, it's really one of our local, like, like you guys have, like, Drake and the Toronto Raptors and the CN Tower, and we have the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. <laughs> and Brett Wilson. And, oh, and Brett Wilson and the Stampede. The so it's it's even yeah. jeremy and the Canadian. can you sort of give us like a breakdown of how people should understand this organization what they what they're up to well as you said eric they have a name that makes them sound totally benign if not outright positive and they do have lawyers on staff and they do, I mean, they fight what they perceive to be injustice using this framework of constitutional law. It just so happens that all the cases they take on, or most of them, are like the freedom for religious bigots to <laughs> persecute people, right? So they're they're huge. Like, like I think actually Lindsay Shepard, it's a bit of a throwback. Do you guys remember her? She's uh, the yeah. worst TA ever. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, you know, Wilfred Laurier, Jordan Peterson Jr. She <laughs> she made a big fuss when uh, she showed a video of Jordan Peterson like screeching about how transgender pronouns are going to lead to gulags, and then her professor lightly reprimanded her, and she recorded it and became an international sensation. Well, were you wondering where she is now? Or at least where she was recently. I wasn't, but now I'm curious. She's the campus free speech fellow at the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms. Well, hot damn. And so anyways, when the NDP was in power, they, they launched all these lawsuits against the NDP's law that made uh, gay straight alliances mandatory in schools, right? No school could just veto it. So, like, Catholic and private religious schools also had to allow it. And they're huge into the end the lockdown movement now. <laughs> of yeah. course. Of course. <laughs> and uh, their executive director, a guy named John Carpe, he became sort of an election talking point for the NDP a couple of years ago because a video came out of him comparing the pride flag to the swastika. <laughs> oh, that's normal. Yeah. That's healthy. Yeah. Healthy behavior. Yeah. And it's one of those things where he gave like a obligatory apology that was clearly like, oh, I'm sorry if you were so stupid as to think my words meant what they mean. <laughs> um, 
You're missing the wider context. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, no, he does that thing too because there's a very he was he was just he was talking about authoritarian ideology and how it doesn't matter what their symbol is. It could be a swastika, could be a pride flag. Oh, so it's a hypothetical, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's, so. Anyways, <laughs> these guys are fucking scumbags. They're they're next level grifters. Can I go through and, their endorsements? Because there's some names that you guys might remember a few of these uh, these characters. So right off the top, Bruce Party, professor of law, Queens University. Oh yeah, uh, hey. we, we've talked about him on the show. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, we talked about him on that episode with Alex from House of Decline. Right after a uh, quote from Bruce Party comes the Honorable Preston Manning from uh, formerly of the Manning Center, which changed its name recently to something that I don't really care about. A couple names the I don't Canada recognize. Canada Strong and Free Network. <laughs> so it's like the Manning Center, but like more openly uh, white supremacist. And then there's a, there's a quote from Ezra Levant, author, columnist, and free speech activist does it actually list him as a free speech activist yeah it does <laughs> yeah the guy who sues anyone who like looks at him the wrong way yeah who's a free yeah, speech yeah. activist um and then there's also gordon gibson who's a senior fellow at the fraser institute so definitely an organization that you should take seriously yeah yeah no they are very legit. They're very. Their obje- Their legal analysis is objective, <laughs> and they're totally not just riling up right wing bigots to make money. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely On court not what's cases happening. that always fail. <laughs> uh, so John Carpe, Carpe, we'll go with Carpe. Um, Carpe John Jim. Carpe, exactly. John Carpe has a podcast. Um, it's called Justice with John Carby. It's not a very good podcast. I got oh, like five, ten minutes into it before I just had to turn it off. I don't, just, <laughs> I, I don't know what his voice sounds like, so it's hard to say whether he's a good podcaster or not. Um, I mean, but I'll, I'll take your word on it. You're like our like, yeah. I'm the um, audio guy, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're um, the audio file. <laughs> but like beyond the the actual like production value of the podcast. Um, it took a minute and a half for John to compare Canada and their COVID response to <laughs> first, first he compared it to third world countries. And then he said that Canada reminded him of Uganda under Idi Amin, <laughs> <laughs> which again is another reason you should take the justice center for constitutional freedoms. Well, Very I, I remember when Justin Trudeau um, allowed a uh, hijacked Israeli airline to land in Canada and to hold them hostage. Yeah. And he yeah. called himself the last king of Scotland. <laughs> he hanged Andrew Shear by a meat hook. Come to think of it, like, damn, I never thought about that. Way. <laughs> you know, I was going to say that. There's a lot of reasons that that's a good comparison. Um, we don't have to get into all of them, but we should probably get into this piece at some point. Well, this Warmington piece, it seems like, to me, this is me just, you know, shooting from the hip. Joe Warmington already wrote 
a column about Steve Dusing, who's a guy who got stuck in a hotel after traveling to see a friend in America and then not meeting the Canadian government's standards for uh, COVID testing before returning to home. So that column got published, it landed with a thud, and this is his follow-up with uh, the Big Bad Justice Center for Constitutional Freedom backing him up. He uses a lot of the artwork from the previous story as well. So it's like very high effort stuff from Joe. Another victim of cancel culture. Yeah. So the headline (laughs) is COVID hotels against charter of rights, Justice Center says. Now that's exactly why that's their name, right? So they can (laughs) refer to them as the Justice Center in headlines and people will be like, oh, wow, this is a, this is a violation of my civil liberties. This is a real organization. <laughs> did did you guys see the uh, the video embedded they have of uh, of uh, what's his name Steve, Steve Dusing? Steve Dusing, yeah. Joe interviewed him on tape. <laughs> yeah, and Joe does a piece to camera off the top. Yeah, <laughs> and he, he's he's wearing a puffy jacket in like one of those hats, like my <laughs> grandfather used to wear. <laughs> He's dressed like a chimney sweep from 1920. <laughs> Man, he does not look good. Is yeah, what I'm saying. I can, <laughs> Joe, Joe, that is. Uh, Steve looks like a million bucks. <laughs> He's been eating well. <laughs> Anyways, the Canadian government has been asked by constitutional experts to stop the mandatory hotel quarantining of returning travel. Holy shit! Passive voice. Yeah, yeah, it's like a big no-no. But also, like, calling them constitutional experts is, it's a stretch, is what I'd say. Yeah, but Okay, but this next sentence is pretty succinct. But so far, Ottawa has not indicated if it will comply. They're not going to. <laughs> I don't want <laughs> to. Yeah, yeah, well, that's another thing, actually. I was trying to think of the other um, JCCF cause that, they wouldn't show up about. Remember when the liberals had a summer jobs program that in order to get money for it, you had to like agree that you support reproductive rights. <laughs> they, they were infuriated. And anyways, their court challenge was actually heard in medicine hat. Oh, and I was there and the judge pretty much. It, this was like in the winter. So judge was like, well, 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 it's a moot point. Like, you know, you raise some interesting constitutional issues, but I mean, the, the summer's already happened. And um, so I wrote that in my piece and I got an email from one of their guys. I think he's quoted in the story alongside Carpe. It was just like, actually, um, he did not say the hearing was moot. He merely said that because the summer was already over, that he wouldn't be hearing it right now. It's like, yeah, that's the same thing. Anyways, I basically, I asked the editor to change the headline to for now to get him to shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they emailed me back being like, well, actually, it was just like, okay, <laughs> shut the fuck up. <laughs> You're, the, the organization exists to create these stories. Like, yeah. the, the, what's the story here? They're requesting the government do something. They're saying it's a violation of constitutional rights. They are a think tank with interests. Yeah. Ugh. Saying it as a violation of Canada's Charter and Rights of Freedoms, 
the Trudeau government received the cease and desist request Friday. Oh no, not a cease and desist request from some fake organization in Calgary. The government's arrest and detention of Canadians in this fashion is unlawful and unconstitutional, and we demand the immediate release of any Canadian currently being so detained, said lawyer John Carpe, president of the JCCF. I like it how it takes him like like four paragraphs to tell you who this this constitutional scholar is. Yeah. Carpe continues, the government has not explained why people cannot self-isolate at home. Locking people up in secret locations without a right to call a lawyer <laughs> or to have their detention reviewed by a judge is in line with practices carried out by the world's most repressive regime. <laughs> he, he, he's making this sound like it's Guantanamo Bay. Dude, read the next line. R- read the next line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's happening at the Radisson Hotel on Dixon Road in Toronto. Wait, I thought it was a secret location. It made it sound like a fucking CIA black site. Just like, like in the sewer somewhere. In John's podcast, he also says that the people that are staying there are brought to a secret location, and if they disclose the location to anybody, they could be fined. Like up to $15,000. He, he mentions that specifically in like the first two minutes of the podcast. So damn, I bet, this is I, just like 1984. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I, say, I, I just hope Joe's got good lawyers. Joe says, this is Joe. He's coming back into the piece with his own voice. It should not be. In a letter sent to the Honorable Omar Algebra, Minister of Transport, the Justice Center condemned the Trudeau government for its disturbing and aggressive opposition to the constitutional rights and freedoms of Canadians, said the Justice Center. The Public Health Agency of Canada has not yet commented. <laughs> Can you imagine if the Public Health Agency of Canada commented on like every <laughs> crackpot claim they heard? about how their directives are like a conspiracy theory. Because keep in mind, it's not like the JCCF is saying, look, we support lockdown measures. We take this health crisis seriously, but this is going too far. That's like respectable position. But again, they're end the lockdowns now. Like, so, you know, keep that in mind that this isn't based on any rhyme or reason. It's, it's based on them wanting to raise money. Yeah, yeah. 100%. In my opinion... This is comment. This isn't a statement of fact, okay? Like, if you got to feel for the public health agency, but you also have to feel for, like, Omar Al-Gabra. And I mean, like, okay, he's he's an MP in the Liberal Party, so he's probably got some bad views. However, I feel like Omar gets more than his fair share of weird letters from right-wing crackpots. I remember his name coming up in the news not too long ago. Yeah, uh, because the block accused him. They didn't accuse him, right? They said, hmm, this guy used to work for the Canadian Arab Federation. Isn't that interesting? What yeah. the fuck? Like, I don't know. We, you know, the Quebec values secularism. And then when they were called racist for that, they're like, what are you talking about? We're not accusing him of anything. We're just, we're just telling the facts, right? Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I mean, he, he was born in uh, Saudi Arabia, I believe. He, but by all accounts, his politics are, like, totally boring and liberal. He was the but, MP for, like, Mississauga Arendale. He moved to a different riding because uh, 
yeah, I don't think he's the MP there anymore. But yeah, it just seems like very run-of-the-mill, no controversies to his name. Like, But yeah, he's got like a shit job. <laughs> well, yeah, his, his the only controversies around him are like that he is Arab. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he also hasn't, right? I don't think he was in cabinet till the most recent shuffle that put Garneau at Foreign Affairs. But anyways, meanwhile, the Justice Center is preparing a lawsuit on behalf of dozens who have been held in hotels in Toronto and Calgary. Someone accused of homicide has more rights than someone who shows up at the airport with a negative antigen test as opposed to a negative PCR test, said Jay Cameron, JCCF litigation director. I mean, citations needed. Yeah, I mean, it's also entirely different. One is a public health measure. One is a criminal trial. Yeah. Right? On the one hand, you risk going to prison for life. So there needs to be a stand, a high standard of evidence. On the other hand, you don't get to go home for two weeks and have to live in a hotel and pay for it. Well, I don't know what to tell you, man. You shouldn't have traveled in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Do you think if someone had a negative antigen test and was accused of homicide that they'd be, like, double worse off? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good question. You should email the JCCF and ask that. (laughs) We should turn this into a game of Clue. I feel like John Carpe and Jay Cameron are, like, Noam Chomsky in that they read all their emails from, like, all the weirdos who take time out of their day to email them and respond to everyone. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make a fake email and do that. That'd be more fun than Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, Toronto's Steve Dusing and Alberta's Nikki Mathis are examples. They had negative tests from the United States, not accepted here, and found themselves in forced quarantine. Um, That is their... (laughs) Sorry, I I skipped the part where Jay Cameron says that... um, these people are repeatedly being screened and showing no symptoms, aren't sick, don't have negative test. I don't care. Like, imagine this being your hill to die on. Yeah. It's like, the test is negative. But it's like, well, the reason that the virus is in this country is because there were no restrictions to travel very early on in this thing. And they weren't being extra careful. Unfortunately, the realities of the situation is... is People are going to have to be extra careful until we can get a handle on a global pandemic. I just don't know why that's an issue for some people. I feel like guys at the Justice Center don't like being told what to do. The measures infringe on charter... Okay, see, now this is weird. He's This is a quote. This is all a quote. Yeah. Let, let me know if you see... So it says <laughs> this the is... measures infringe in quotation marks on quotation marks... <laughs> Charter Rights and Freedoms, Section 6. He's missing the of there, though maybe that's what Jay Cameron said. Uh, Right to enter and leave Canada, Section 7, Liberty and Security of the Person, Section 9, Right Not to be Arbitrarily Detained or Arrested, Section 10, Right to Retrain and Instruct Counsel Without Delay Upon Arrest or Detention, Section 11, Right Not to be Denied Reasonable Bail. Um, I, don't, I don't know why that's in quotations. Like, it's, it's because Joe Warmington doesn't realize this is a document he can Google and like <laughs> just like take parts out. He like he doesn't get it. He's not a bright man. So it's just like one block quote in the story. 
In he the, wants to make it look like official, even though it's just this dude saying it. It's just like, <laughs> look, smart guy, official source, say the words and say that this violate words. Ooh, journalism. <laughs> In addition, there, there, there's also an infringement on Section 530 of the Criminal Code, which requires detainees and arrestees to appear before a judge within 24 hours which exists to protect citizens from the government precisely because governments frequently abuse their power and authority. Human history is replete with abuse from governments and its citizens. That is a quote from Jay Cameron. He's starting to sound like a sovereign citizen. That's what it, it seems like, the, the impede my, uh, right to travel kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. I'm not... What do you mean? He wasn't flying. Yeah. He was traveling. You can't, I can't follow God's laws and the government's laws at the same time are you kidding i can't multitask the currents actually interviewed a lawyer that isn't a complete crank about this specific thing not because of this story but because you know people were genuinely curious what the limits on the canadian charter of rights and freedoms are do you want me to read a part of that interview yeah all right so this is from kara zweibel on the current zweibel zweibel i don't know uh now to me both the language of the charter and really what it means to be a resident of a country means that you have the right to move freely within the country. But like every right we have in the charter, that right is subject to limits. I, I just don't, I don't know if this interpretation of the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms is, uh, is accurate from the Justice Center. Well, <laughs> Joe's going to weigh in on that. <laughs> Having received emails from people <laughs> traveling around the world... <laughs> Each case has legitimacy to them, to them, uh, not to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They range from family illness to personal issues to business or educational considerations. Literally fucking anything is a personal issue. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, like, you know, I just felt the need to uh, go to Hawaii this winter. You know, it's a personal issue. Yeah. I want to talk about it. But there seems this to be guy little... wanted to start a, a Hooters franchise. You can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't shut that down. That's that's an important business. Yeah. <laughs> but there seems to be little compassion or understanding. Noted fan of compassion and understanding, Joe Warren. Um, there are many who feel travelers at this time should suffer the consequences. However, every Canadian has <laughs> rights. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot that it says it says in the charter that you have the right not to face any consequences for your decisions. Yeah, it's wild. It's right there. Yeah. It's uh it's section uh, 43. I have a copy of the charter right in front of me. I'm reading it to you. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, these constitutional checks and balances are not being recognized by the new health regime Canadians are living under. He's forgetting the balances part of checks and balances. He just wants checks, no balance. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, you have no, you have individual health officials and individual ministers in total control. <laughs> Doctors have no experience or expertise in socioeconomic factors like domestic abuse and suicide, substance abuse, tourism, or agriculture or trade, or constitutional considerations. Worse, they are not accountable to the <laughs> electorate. I don't think that's the worst part of the situation you just outlined. <laughs> uh, 
I, like, I, I just, think, like, domestic abuse and suicide may be worse than that. But, no, no, no. You no. know. The worst part is the accountability of the doctors that we couldn't vote for. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Like, is he suggesting we should start <laughs> electing doctors? <laughs> I want a doctor that I can have a beer with, okay? I don't want a good doctor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean inflammable means flammable? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, this doctor uh, says dueling is actually good for you, so he's got my vote. (laughs) (laughs) It's so fucking Uh, dumb. uh, Now we're back to Joe. Canadians being taken off planes and effectively locked up against their will is violating Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Kind of burying the lead there, eh? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's not democracy, said Cameron. It's a health dictatorship. Boom, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. I like when Joe uh, puts on his uh, constitutional expert hat for the last, uh, the, or the second last graph. In this well, case. no, no, no. He, he's not a constitutional expert. He's talking to the constitutional experts, right? I mean, it's in the name. <laughs> Justice <laughs> Center for Constitutional Freedoms. What do you think that means? It's true, but I mean, it's not a quote. Look That's those words up in the dictionary. <laughs> fuck every time i read a joe piece it's just like you know like you have like one friend who you know is really dumb but they keep seeming to get themselves into new interesting situations all the time joe is that he's a master of the craft like you you cannot you gotta hand it <laughs> you gotta hand it to him Maybe it's because it's so blatant and transparent and poorly thought out that it's enjoyable for me. Or maybe it's just because, like, the history I have with reading all of his pieces that I just have, like, all this Joe mythology in my head. But, like, I so much fun reading his shit. You're deeply stepped into the mythos. Yeah. Yeah, I built a world around it. He is a much... Okay, so he's a piece of shit. Like, we can say that. I feel like Joe Warmington has got bad politics and he's not a good columnist, right? However, I think he's a silly man and I think it's fun to laugh at him. This next columnist... This next columnist is less likable. He is so unlikable. Yeah, no, it's true. He is in, he's, of course, Rex Murphy. He needs no introduction. He looks like death itself. Um, <laughs> he, he recently spoke at a uh, Manning Center uh, conference or the Canadian True North Strong and Free Institute yeah, or whatever it's called to talk um, about to Chairman Mao. Or yeah, yeah, it was a great <laughs> reset. It was really embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Press Progress had a good piece on it because he said you can't trust the media when they talk about climate change, um, except for his, like, column in National Newspaper. Yeah, or Um, him on TV for, like, 30 straight years or, like, being on syndicated national radio for, like, 20-plus years. Like, Yeah, except for that, though, you can't trust the media. And you know what? Power to him. I mean, we always say you can't trust the media except for Passage and Press Progress and The Sprawl and... Alex uh, Jones... And Holmes Jones and uh, Newsmax. Barney the Dinosaur. Yeah. The, the Dirt Show. Yeah, the Dirt Show. 
He's going to come on the pod eventually. It's going to be great. <laughs> Man, he's a good podcaster. Let me tell you. I've been bugging some friends of the show to like listen to it and do a bonus episode on it, but none of them will take me up on that offer because they are cowards. But in any event, without further ado, here's Rex Murphy talking about how Justin Trudeau's government is the worst in the history of Canada. Is that right? Is that what you're saying? Like, it's kind of, I, I yes. feel like it's all been leading up to this. Yeah. You know, like, like he's just been laying the groundwork like an expert craftsman. He, he's refining <laughs> oh, his craft. Cause this, this feels kind of like a greatest hits sort of thing. It's just got, it's got like a little, like a little stroke of every single painting <laughs> weaved into it. Like, like the, the boomer bingo grievance list is, is completely filled out. So, so let's, let's get into it and find out why, JT is the uh, pinnacle of poopdom. Let's get into the piece. This is the worst Canadian government ever. <laughs> Can there be any question? Well, yeah. The country uh, is... subheadline is pretty good. The country is in an economic coma. The House of Commons is a movie set. We are shamed in the international community. And the list but goes like, on. Where in the international community? I mean, like, Nobody he's cares. not wrong in that... There are embarrassing things going on in Canada, like us selling arms to Saudi Arabia and the fact that like our prime minister doesn't have the balls to tell Jason Kenney that, uh, you know, maybe Keystone isn't like such a good idea. Let's not fight about this with America. However, I feel like there's a little bit of hyperbole here. Yeah. And the reasons that uh, he thinks Justin Trudeau sucks aren't really... The same reasons that uh, we would just seem to agree on, but let, let's uh, let's have Rex spit his truths or <laughs> his words. <laughs> it's a mess. It's a shambles. <laughs> it's an embarrassment. It's the, same thing. it's the same thing, Rex. It is the worst ever by any reasonable measurement. Judging by their performance on the most important files, the current bunch in Ottawa would need to hire a consultant to figure out how to get wet in a thunderstorm and set up a task force to study how to tie their own shoes. He's not, He's not even, even trying anymore. Yet. He's like, by any measurement, and then he doesn't list any measurements. You know, all just, of them. All of them, the... The metric system. Imperial. Um, Dewey Decimal. Wind uh, speed. <laughs> velocity. Anyways, he goes on. Look around you. Canada is in the biggest, most persistent and threatening crisis since, well, since ever. The long-term care homes are under a blizzard of mortality. There is heartbreak in every small business in the country. The worry and anxiety of most everyday citizens, especially those not shielded by uninterrupted checks from the provincial and federal governments, and those not serving as a member of legislature, is at an all-time high. Wow, a lot going on there. Yeah, what is he saying? Like, the government sucks, and, like, people are pissed off, except the ones getting help from the government. Damn government. I just don't know how he, he doesn't <laughs> equate the crisis in this paragraph to the statement he makes at the top of the the column. Like, does he not understand that maybe things are worse than they were previously because this is, like, the worst world event that has happened in our lifetimes at least and probably most of rex's even though he's like 800 years old yeah there's a lot of mental gymnastics to, to still make his point make sense by this point in the article 
This rich, sophisticated, technologically advanced, and altruistic country of ours is the only G7 nation rating vaccine supplies intended for, quote, developing countries. Yeah, I, I, uh, I believe that Rex Murphy is genuinely concerned about, like, the plunder of the third world. Yeah, he definitely It's definitely cares. something he's, he's thought about before it became a conservative talking point. But, I mean, you know, I'm pissed about that, too. Yeah, it's not a good policy to be dipping into something that <laughs> that was made for like when we've already their own vaccines. when we've already secured deals to get like hundreds of vaccines. millions of vaccines yeah more vaccines like enough vaccines to inoculate our population population like four times yeah like he's right but he's right for the wrong reasons here right you like you're entirely spot on by saying that this is just a conservative talking point and like he wants to score points He's just trolling. Like, if the conservatives were in power and they were doing this, he would be out there saying that they're victims of cancel culture because people are criticizing them. <laughs> As uh, This next line is interesting to me, too. As some droll Twitter feed offered, it's as if the many-mansioned Denzians of Toronto's Forest Hill were making raids on the food banks and soaking up all the Canadian tire money. Does he go on Does Twitter? He, he works <laughs> Twitter for sure. Yeah, he doesn't have an account, but he goes on to see what the kids are talking about. It's mostly um, us just calling him old and weird. Yeah, he, he probably he probably searches his name. They're calling me a goblin. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's move on. This government hoards any real details about what vaccines are here, how many are here, quote, secured on paper only, and what they have promised to pay for them as a miser hoards gold. <laughs> Every wow, tro- trope alert, trope alert. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, just for clarity, I don't think Rex Murphy is an anti-Semite. Every press briefing on this most important of concerns is a dance of evasion, platitude, confused projection, and sometimes just pure ignorance of what is actually the case. Can, can we please get an example? <sighs> please? He goes on, they are the most deliberately obfuscatory, opaque access of information, allergic administration under the democratic sun. I I love that you have to read Rex Murphy right now, just because his verbal diarrhea on these pages. Like, he loves to bloviate. Like, uh, if Conrad Black had a brain injury, he'd come out kind (laughs) of like Rex Murphy. Yeah, he's Conrad Black with CTE. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, but also, like, what criteria is he, right? Like, he, like Conrad Black, too, he does that thing where he just tells a bald-faced lie. Or he, he, he says a fact, but doesn't back it up. It's just, he is above you, and you should just take him seriously because he's Rex Murphy. Right, he's a rich guy. Yeah, but let, let's let's like, like come on, let's let's cite our sources now, Rex. Just one example. It's like that meme with with the girl and the guy like looking back, sort of thing at the of the other one walking by, and it's like conservative trope, legitimate talking point, and then it's like just like fanciful language is walking by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and the thing is, like uh, among a certain uh, crowd that resembles good writing but it's not it's not like you have to you in order to write well you need to write from from the soul 
you know, with your feet. Yeah. You need to write from within and be sincere and honest. And, and yeah, I mean, it helps if you write with your feet, but, um, <laughs> but, but, and, and this isn't okay. that. It's just literally trolling with the thesaurus. You know, the best exactly. writers I've ever read are people that can take very complicated ideas and make it so easy to understand that like a child would be able to wrap their head around like a very complex idea. And what Rex Murphy does is he takes simple ideas and he complicates them with allegory and references to the temple of Apollo. And like, (laughs) he just, he talks about Icarus for no reason. What he's doing is he's hiding the fact that there's no idea behind his words. Like he's intellectually bankrupt. Yeah, him, him and Conrad Black are completely kindred spirits. Yeah. So back to Rex. One year into COVID, our venerated House of Commons is a, a disemboweled, non-functioning, neglected <laughs> wreck. The target disrespect of the absolute and central symbol and instrument of our democracy has no parallel. No quote-unquote minority government has ever operated with the smug insouciance and patented virtue-perfumed arrogance towards the commons as the Trudeau government. This is, when we step back, their biggest sin. You could have just said nonchalance, and it still would have been a fucking pretentious word to use. But also, examples. I mean, he's just saying things now. Exactly. Just fucking, God, put the thesaurus down and do some fucking research. Since 1867, no prime minister has abandoned the House of Commons and downgraded its significance for so long a period and for such obviously self-centered and politically opportunistic reasons. It is so much easier, so much safer, and so much more convenient to walk from the bedroom to the one-printer office and mail in platitudes and areas of evasion via Zoom. I don't know how that's any different than this column. (laughs) This is a platitude. And just open criticism without any substance to it. I mean, that's every government's playbook. They're just doing it portably because there's a pandemic now. Is he mad that there's a fucking pandemic? Like, I don't get it, Rex. All right, God. let's let's fucking blast through this because I want to <laughs> not be... Re- I'm really tired of... This is a tedious column. Yeah, it sucks. What other government has parted ways with a government governor general and to top it off, a governor general brought in by the world's number one male feminist as a role model for young women and girls? The same male fem- feminist who conveniently loses all his top performing female ministers. So what, what, what does he mean by top performing? Like, <laughs> according to what metrics? Like, Christia Freeland, like, you know, we have lots of bad things to say about her. But, I mean, I don't think she's... Like, it seems like he's basing high performing based on the sole criteria of them having been booted from caucus. Like, top performing means suits my arguments. Yeah, exactly. And I fucking hate this piece. But, like, the most unforgivable thing that Rex Murphy is doing to us right now is making us defend the filthy, smelly, yeah. wretched liberals. <laughs> They're bad for yeah legitimate reasons that you can, like, outline without dumb boomer points they're not trying to impose a global socialist agenda though it would be really cool if they were so he gets his dig in at uh, gender studies and then he's like not to worry it has lost a finance minister over ethics charges during the mightiest spending binge since the big bang in re- jesus fuck and replaced in re- him with a girl boss 
Yeah, and everybody remembers the the mighty spending binge during the Big Bang, right? You remember that? <laughs> so, some would say that was the first uh, um, stimulus project. Yeah, nothing. The, the oh my god, the deficit after the Big Bang was unbelievable. <laughs> we're still paying for it. Yeah, can you imagine the effect on the economy? Of the Big Bang, man? <laughs> I can't believe everything changed after the Big Bang happened, and all that multiculturalism was instituted. Yeah, 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 worst government ever. All right. Um, uh, an attorney general, the prime guardian of our rule of law, was hounded out because she would not bend the rule of law. The most qualified and respected woman, a doctor of medicine, no less, in other words, a real doctor, could not abide staying in so carelessly unethical a cabinet. Thus, at the very time, Canada would have wished the most competent person to deal with a once-in-a-hundred-years medical emergency. Dr. Jane Philpon is not even in the government. This isn't even the same government. That was the last government, you <laughs> dumb fuck. Like, yeah, that was a majority government. Fucking idiot. I mean, again, like, what he says about Jody Wilson-Raybo is true, and I've expressed that view, but... Again, he's not doing it in good faith. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think that not having Jane Philpott or Jody Wilson-Raybo is not good. However, it is grasping at straws when you're looking at three years ago now and uh, one whole different government ago and one whole pandemic ago to be throwing shit about this government down. There's plenty of things to criticize about this government now, you know? Oh, what I do like is that subtle dig he throws in that Dr. Jill Biden. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I, I missed like that. Real nice. doctor. I, I thought I was wondering what he was referring to there. Yeah, of course. It's all like getting into the culture war hysteria. Back to Rex. Meantime, Seamus O'Regan, the Trudeau cabinet's favorite nomad, he takes up and puts down portfolios with the greatest of ease, leaving no impression behind as he goes. Burbles on during a pandemic about planting two billion trees. Imagine two billion. We only have about 300 billion already. Priorities, I guess. Repeat after me the holy incantation. Climate change, climate change, climate change. It's better than a vaccine. He's fucking losing his mind. Just so detached from reality. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. Also, like, he he's accusing someone of burbling on, and then he writes this. <laughs> I just, I mean, I don't think anyone hates the environment with such vitriol as Rex. Like, why are you offended by planting two billion trees? Like, There's too many fucking why, trees, man. That, that, like, he's talking like it's an act of aggression. There's, like, one thing about the tree planting thing that really bothers me. Well, there's a couple things. One, that he thinks is a zero-sum game. It's either trees or the vaccine. But, again, (laughs) like, two billion trees need to be planted by somebody. And I don't know if you guys know any tree planters. I, I know a couple. It is a way that people make a living. It would be good for the economy that Rex pretends to love so much once in a while to get people jobs planting trees so yeah but rex only supports jobs that destroy the planet not uh enhance it it's like a wild take to have like you know what i think there's too many trees like just in this column <laughs> you know what i've had it up to here with <laughs> trees trees another thing <laughs> but guys what about china 
Oh, does he? Does he oh. bring? Does he play the oh, China card? Let's 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 move on to our next our next reason why this is the worst government ever. We have two hostages in the tyrannical torture houses of Chinese prisons. Those poor, suffering, and tormented men must have truly been uplifted if any news ever reaches them to learn that their government during the a world pandemic was collaborating with the Chinese government to jointly develop a COVID nineteen vaccine. Remember the line from Casablanca of all the gin joints in all the towns and all the world and insert countries for gin joints <laughs> and of all the countries in all the world. Why did the Trudeau government pick China? Incompetence can't cover it. We need some term that speaks of dedicated and determined, merciless and staggering wrongheadedness. The pure blind leading the pure blind. What the fuck? That is like one of the worst sentences I've ever heard. It really is. That, is that even a sentence? Bad. Does that have like a like a subject and a verb? And like I, I just lost track because it's fucking. It's just like uh, he popped a few know, fucking Nyquils and wrote this by his bedside, <laughs> and no one edited it. Uh, the liberals have given far more time and dedicated energy to the Derek Sloan affair, whatever that was. <laughs> the fuck. I mean, who hasn't? received money from a Nazi. <laughs> I mean, Rex Murphy's been around long enough. He probably, like, did business with the, the original Nazis. <laughs> what, what the heck was that? Uh, was that guy a Nazi? <laughs> I, I never knew the guy. Never even heard of him. Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. The liberals have been uh, given Derek Sloan a fair more, more attention than the cancellation of the Keystone XL pipeline and the emergent threat of an Alberta leaving the <laughs> Confederation. Uh, in brackets, query for a serious panel discussion. Is Canada safe from Bidenism? I just want to, in defense of panels, there's never been a serious panel that included Rex Murphy on it. Like if he's on it, it's it's a shit show. Like period. <laughs> he's just so smug. I think that's what I find so irritating about Rex. Whereas Joe has that you know sort of endearing everyman quality to him. Rex just thinks he's so much smarter than you, and just throws around words so these dummies in like Tim Hortons in Alberta can be like, yes, this is exactly what I've thought. And it's the same like level of analysis that you would find at, like a Tim Hortons and Fort Mac. Yeah. From, you know, people who dropped out of school to work in the tar sands. But this guy says insouciance. <laughs> exactly, right? It's like, oh, see, I must be right because this guy who uh, uses words I don't understand is saying the same nonsense that I am. All right, <sighs> All right we're painfully close. The country is in an economic coma. The House of Commons is a movie set. We are shamed in the international community. Contracts on contracts on COVID are all top secret. There is zero reliability on any projection made by a minister or the prime minister on where we are on vaccines and distribution. Rideau Hall is shortly to be listed on Airbnb. Which is a computer app that my nephew told me about. <laughs> Farmers have been hit by fuel and carbon taxes. Newfoundland teeters on bankruptcy. The West has never felt so far out of things. I could go on. Is this what was meant when the rosy words were first pronounced? Canada's back? To calm yourself, however, there's always this. Climate change. Climate change. Climate change. Two billion trees. Two billion trees. Home chairs. Home chairs. Derek Sloan. And that is actually how it fucking ends. Holy fuck.
he is such a brain dead moron. Like I just like anybody over the age of, of 50 for some reason has uh, an unshakable respect for this man. And he is a drooling idiot with a thesaurus. Yeah. I mean, he's got such a like small mind. He doesn't actually understand anything. But he just tells it like he sees it. Am I right, folks? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't um, think I could write slam poetry that compelling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like imagine having an editor and you write that like climate change, Derek Sloan, uh, uh, transportation line. Dental plan. <laughs> Dental. And, 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 and the editor's like, oh, yeah, I like it. That's a nice touch. It's just so evident from this column and from everything that I've seen them write and talk about that they just hate consequences for their actions. Yeah. Like that's why they hate the idea of climate change. They just want to be able to like do whatever they want and like not have it. there be like some equivalent factor in the world. And it's like this article, like <laughs> you're just going to let me fucking write this gibberish goddamn like, Cthulhu chant and you're not going to edit shit because I'm not told no because I'm Rex Murphy yeah there's like a level of nihilism to his work eh? like where it just feels like he's like I'm going to fucking say it like I'm going to just do it like fuck it like he's like (laughs) openly taking money from oil and gas companies and he's like not even hiding it like he's like I don't fucking care like made the jump to the post to write these bullshit things nobody edits them everyone's afraid of him because he like looks grumpy and he's like tiny and old and has a weird way about him he probably wears child suits <laughs> well i i don't know which uh manning center panel you were watching but <laughs> man looks like a million bucks i didn't say anything about a panel i i was just non-specifically referring to things that i've seen him talking i saw him in a panel yeah with uh toronto sun bad boy anthony fury where they talk about the great reset <laughs> And how climate change and COVID are being used by like milk toast neoliberals to bring full communism to this country and everyone in the world. And the lockdowns are the first step because, as we know, uh, Joseph Stalin was a huge fan of lockdowns to prevent the spread of a highly <laughs> contagious virus. Yeah, no, it's good shit. You should watch it if you are as depressed as I am. Yeah, any panel discussion that part of the thesis is that billionaires are meeting up in Davos in order to potentially instill communism. I mean, you know there's going to be some quality conversation in that thing, right? Because what what do billionaires want more than uh, to have all their wealth redistributed? Yeah, no, it's a very enlightening uh, panel discussion. Rex, going to give it to you. I think we've done this before, the Joe Wormington and Rex Murphy combination, right? You got a pretentious hack and, like, an unpretentious <laughs> hack. It's a good, it's a good mix. And, uh, actually, actually, yeah, what, what, which one, sorry, I, I got ahead of myself. Which one do you guys think is worse? As always, I mean, like, Rex is, is taken much more seriously in this country, and he shouldn't, because I actually think, like, Joe will actually interview people <laughs> while Rex will just, like, shout things from his ivory tower covered in mac and cheese but like yeah when was the last time rex interviewed someone that's a good point like i just picture him like howard hughes just in his house with like his clothes off and his nails all like grown long (laughs) and like disheveled 
and uh. and eating mac and cheese and just like hammering out on like his typewriter which and then he faxes it to uh you know post media's lair on bloor street yeah yeah and then he cleans up a bit for you know manning center panels yeah still looks like shit but uh yeah definitely the worst column this week i gotta give it to rex yeah it's he's so boring but like like joe wormington like it's tough to say because like you know, I'll laugh at a Joe Wormington column. I never really laugh at a Rex Murphy column, really, because he's always, like... Like, he didn't do as much in this piece, but he's always trying to be funny and witty, and it's just the lamest, yeah. like... Yeah, it's infuriating. ...attempt at humor. And so I find him much more, like, unbearable as an individual than Joe Wormington. I'm going to be contrarian and say Joe Wormington's piece because it's actually... Um, it's bec- the opposite of what you said, Eric, because it's not just an old man like screeching about how much he hates the liberals. It's a guy going out and giving a platform to these absolute grifters and bigots and saying these are constitutional experts. These are the guys like you want to know about constitutional rights. Talk to John Carpe or Jay Cameron. Right. And that to me is much more dangerous than that. That's what I think. The- the Joe piece advances the plot more. It introduces this new fucking think tank ghoul to create this story. It's written in a snappy, like punchy style, like pseudo news thing, pseudo comment. Can't really tell. Rex is just like a, a boring, dry roundup of like all the shit you've heard rep- before. Joe is like advancing the plot a bit. It really is like a Rex Murphy greatest hits compilation. Yeah, right. It just hits all the talking points. <laughs> Climate change isn't real. China. Uh, Justin Trudeau is a v- virtue signaling uh, fake feminist, uh, which is true. Uh, he drives the point home with like repetition at the end. Like he understands that he's just beating people to death with the yeah. same three talking points. And and it's not like again, like I said earlier, like he's not even putting in effort anymore. Yeah. Which is why I, I'd, I'd stand by it being a worse column. But I do think you guys are right in that it's probably less damaging to the discourse. Well, you lost. So uh, you are the weakest link. I guess I have to kill Bye. myself now. As are <laughs> yeah, the that's how the, that, I haven't watched it in a while, but that, that was what happens in the weakest link, right? Yeah, you they, got something wrong and they just... She fucked, she like, fucked they kill the w- you. weakest link. She pegged them. Oh, really? really? And that's why they all committed suicide. <laughs> I thought you gave them a sword and they had to cut their own head off. Was... You guys read anything good this week? Yeah, National Observer has a pretty good piece about a guy by the name of... Uh, you heard of him? He's, his name's Jason Kenny. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Called The Fall of Jason Kenny, which I think is a bit uh, presumptuous. But it's a great piece by Bruce Livesey that just goes into sort of this uh, sense of invincibility Kenny has had as someone who's never lost an election, even though every time he's run an election, it's been in, like, a, you know, safe Calgary riding for the Conservatives and sort of his uh, falling down to earth and uh, how he's had to backtrack on some things lately because his policies have had a backlash in rural Alberta, which is, you know, part of the province that the conservatives take for granted. So I would recommend that. I also uh, have a couple things I wrote that I wanted to plug. The first being a piece in the sprawl. This is probably mostly of interest to Calgary listeners, but 
the story is called Inside Calgary City Council's Reversal on Police Funding. I don't know if you guys heard about this out east, but in November, Calgary City Council voted to cut the police budget by $10 million this year and then $10 million next year, which is like 2.5% of the budget. It's nothing. The police said, We're, we'll do $8 million. We can do that. We'll give you $8 million and you can start this alternative support fund. And then, so they came to budget deliberations with that expectation. They would get an $8 million cut. And then the city of Calgary was actually like, actually, we'll pay for it from yeah. our revenues. And and you can match it if you want. Um, so I, I look into I speak with a couple activists, the mayor, one of the uh, higher-ranking cops, and figure out what happened. And then my other piece is in... Jacobin. Jacobin. Yes. I did read this, actually. Which, it's really good. Yes, which is about the COVID outbreaks in the meatpacking industry, in Alberta specifically, but I also mentioned that there's been a lot in the States. That one's called Canada's Largest Meatpacking Facility is on trial for endangering its workers during the pandemic. So uh, in my biased opinion, you should definitely read it. There has been a lot of really good Canadian content in Jacobin, and it's so cool seeing you in there. I read that piece and I, I thought it was really, really well written. But then I also saw a piece by friend of the show, Roberta Lexier, titled Canada's NDP should stop making excuses and find ways to win. And I yeah. think it's like a really, really well-reasoned column. That's and it's, something it's I, want, just, I saw that. I want to read that. that. That's my pick of something I want to read this week. There's <laughs> um, <laughs> something I wanted to read this week, but then Gary, fair enough. Um, yeah, that was a great piece. Uh, Roberta's awesome. Read Jacobin. I also like that it's been increasing its Canadian content. Cyrus Lewis, shout out to him. He's a great editor. You know, he's one of those editors where, like, he always makes your piece so much better. And then when he only edits it lightly, it's like, yes, I did a good job. There's also a great piece in Canadian Dimension today from uh, another friend of the show, Abdul Malik, about enemy Paul's suggestion that we should take the Olympics away from Beijing. <laughs> And bring them to Canada. Yeah, and fuck the <laughs> Not enemy Paul, who supported the coup in Bolivia and got really touchy when uh, Maryam Haddad brought that up in a debate, and is also a staunch Zionist. Um, yeah. That enemy Paul, yes, yeah. she she's very concerned about human rights abuses in China, which some like Dum Dum Bob Ray have called genocide, but. You know what some people have also called genocide? Um, the treatment of indigenous people in Canada. Yeah, but our genocide is more pure than theirs, right? Oh. Yeah. But yeah, that was a good piece by Abdul. Sorry I interrupted you, but... No, it's totally fine. You know what? Uh, I, think, I think it's a really good piece, and it really hits home something that I got yelled at as a kid about, which is, why do the Olympics exist, and why does anybody care that they exist? Because fuck the Olympics. Yeah, it was pretty sweet a few years ago when uh, Calgary had a plebiscite on the Olympics and voted no. Though it's kind of because, like, it's weird because it was like libs were all like, yeah, vote yes, we can, let's have the Olympics. And then all the, like, right-wingers and left-wingers were like, no. <laughs> um, it was, it's an interesting dynamic. It's such a um, waste of time. Could you imagine getting excited about people tobogganing? That's what's going to spark I don't know. Have you seen Cool Runnings? I have. But you know it's what? It's a good movie. 
I didn't care for the bobsledding in it. I liked I liked the characters and the art. Oh yeah, bobsledding isn't tobogganing, is it? Yeah, it's completely. It's different. close. It's completely different. Completely different. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. It's completely different. Before we go, I should say this because we always keep forgetting to say this every week. Oh yeah, Big Shiny Takes is a part of the Harbinger Media Podcast Network. If you liked our show, you should check out some of the other great shows that are on the network with us, including Oats for Breakfast, Habib T. Please, The Alberta Advantage, The Left Behind Podcast with Chris Markovich, or Tech Won't Save Us. There are a lot of... Uh, oh, oh, that's what LB stands for? Yeah, yeah. And there's also... I was actually listening to it yesterday. There's also a new podcast on the network. It's called uh, The Forgcorn podcast nailed good it things. oh yeah my evil twin co-hosts that yeah um jerk but also there's a off court podcast oh, with yeah abdul and Aton that is great i've uh i think i've listened to all the episodes there may be a new one that dropped like today or yesterday we have an embarrassment of riches on the harbinger media network folks Get your information yes. here and don't give money to people that employ Rex Murphy. Yeah, give us the money. Yeah, become a patron. We have a Patreon thing. Yeah, it's like a cup of coffee a month. Yeah. Um, and if you want to buy two cups of coffee a month, then you can also give money to Harbinger. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shill for my other employers here, but um, give money to Harbinger and Big Shiny Takes. And if you really feel like it, you can find us where we live and just give us money. Yeah, just draw, just sweep under our door. Yeah, it would be great. It's like a $100 bill under our doors. It would be really, really nice if they would do that. All right, boys. Always so much fun to do this. Uh, bye. Bye-bye. It's Big Shiny Takes, the only anti-free speech podcast. Big Shiny Takes, reading garbage for your brain. It's Big Shiny Takes with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. Big Shiny Takes are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain.